At Our Bible App, we are committed to amplifying the voices of the progressive Christian community and helping you to tap into what's being created. Whether you need to quickly flick through the Bible, listen to an audio reading of a featured devotional, or get acquainted with a new affinity group, our platform will help you sort through the small stuff so that you can focus on what your soul needs most right now. So consider subscribing and becoming a member. Only subscribers have a complete unrestricted access to all of the app's publications, including Pass the Salt, which is our daily devotional podcast. There's also a new one coming out this January called Eggs and Jesus by Bailey Bronner and Aaron Green. Subscription is easy and brings you into the fold of unlimited membership possibilities. Cancel anytime. Subscribe today for $4.99 a month. are listening to Lord Have Mercy. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham. Today's guest is Matthias Roberts. Matthias is a counselor, the host of the Queerology podcast, and now he's an author. Check out his forthcoming book, Beyond Shame, in the new year. And now, Matthias. Yeah, thanks okay. for having me. I'm super excited. I'm so glad to have you. When is your yeah. book actually out? So it comes out January 7th. So, okay. Yeah. And out. How does it feel to be on the other side of this in the hot seat? <laughs> it feels so good. Like, my goodness. I... Man. Yeah. Who knew? Like, you know, people always talk about writing a book being a lot of work, but I had no idea. Like, even with all those warnings, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had no clue. So. Um, and because of the book, is that why you decided to take a break from queerology? Which, I mean, by the way, before you answer that question, Mm. is freaking amazing that you've Mm. been able to put out 300 or over 300 episodes because this work is hard. It is so, it is so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Time consuming. (laughs) It's, it's been two and a half years and like, in like 92 episodes. So not quite 300, but I'm sure we'll get there someday. <laughs> right. And how did Oprah find your podcast? I have no idea. I legitimately like, have no idea. Yeah. So listeners need to know that for um, what what month was it? Was it October? It was, it was, yeah, October, August. I found it after that. Like, they didn't even let me know that they were talking about it. Um, so it was like I was randomly one night bored and like was trying to find a news piece that I like a little quote of mine had appeared in so I was like googling myself and all of a sudden Oprah magazine popped up and I was like wait wait what (laughs) did you google yourself I'm too scared to google myself I'll never do it it's a terrifying thing I don't do it often so (laughs) yeah Yeah. well it was the top religious podcast for LGBT people am I right yeah, it was named one of the one of the twelve best LGBTQ podcasts of twenty nineteen. So, just not not even religious, which was just incredible. Yeah, like what in the world? You didn't <laughs> so even get cool. pigeonholed into the common niche. That's no. amazing. Yeah, I was just blown away. So who knows? Who knows how they found out about it? But yes, yeah. So is that why you decided to take a break? The book Beyond Shame. Yeah, it was, I mean, it it was a mix of things, um, one of which was definitely um, 
wanting to be able to focus more of my energy on actually launching the book and not kind of being pulled in many different directions um, because there's a lot of work coming up still <laughs> with with the book launch. But it, but it was also a level of just exhaustion and this kind of feeling of being a little bit stuck um, in in this kind of constant weekly pattern of because because I've been putting out an episode a week um, and j- just trying to like feeling like I always have to do this um, <laughs> and I was talking to my therapist and I was like I feel so trapped and like I can't I can't take a break at least I what I thought at the time I was like I can't take a break from this yeah because there go ahead you have to give yourself permission to right take one step at a time which I feel like it's always hard because you don't want to disappoint people and you want to hold yourself to a standard especially as a podcaster to say that I'm going to publish something new and exciting and something that the the culture needs you know every Mm -hmm. single week but my god my god (laughs) it's so much work you know why do we do that to ourselves i don't know listen when you said that you were gonna take a break i was the first i I wasn't the first one but i immediately thought you do that i wasn't Mm. like oh no don't leave us i was like yes do that for you take care of yourself yeah it's been so i mean it's only been a couple weeks now but it's been so lovely (laughs) to just take a few breaths um and yeah, I'm I'm loving it and super excited to bring it back when it's time. Um, but that'll that'll be a little while. So okay. Well, yeah. in the meantime, when is your book coming out? So it comes out January seventh. Um, yeah, which is like soon. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know you were writing a book. Like you kept this under wraps. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mm. it's it's been such an exciting process, and I mean it's a book I I deeply believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to share it with the world. Well, um, I was really pleased to have received an advanced copy of it. Yeah. I mean, how this is hair flip mode. How cool am I <laughs> <laughs> to have been able to read it before the rest of the public? I mean, yes. Yes. that's like some superstar stuff. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. You, I mean, you deserve um, it. So. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. But the, so the title is Beyond Shame. And in the very beginning, there was a story that um, really caught my attention because I think mm. it's something we can all kind of relate to Mm -hmm. and that's the avert your eyes experience you had yeah (laughs) yeah yeah did you grow up like with your mom constantly telling you to like not look at something on the tv oh yeah all the time (laughs) i mean that that message of like don't look like cover your eyes like yes (laughs) like all the time like whenever there was like a kissing scene on on tv Mm -hmm. my dad used to tell us to look away or if there were swear words, my dad would tell us to cover our ears. Right. And I think that, you know, did preserve my innocence for a while. But mm-hmm. at some point, when does it switch over to shame? Totally. 
Right. Because, I mean, that's a huge thing because, I mean, there there is a level of goodness in that, right? Like, the intention is good and, and there's a sense of, I mean, what even is developmentally appropriate for a kid? Um, and um, I, I think a lot of times... And I think what happened for me, it, it ties into this this then narrative of, of whatever is happening on the TV or whatever is happening on that billboard or blah, blah, blah. Like that is shameful. Um, and if I'm interested in that, which ironically, I, I wasn't interested in what my mom was, was telling <laughs> right? me to look away from. <laughs> Cleavage was not the problem, mom. Right. But once I started figuring out, like, once I started looking at, like, men's underwear mm-hmm. <laughs> in Walmart, I started realizing, like, oh, this is what my mom is trying to keep me from feeling or what she may be trying to protect me from. Um, I The immense amount of shame of... of not only confusion of, of what I'm feeling in my body, but then also this this added message of I am not supposed to be looking at this and therefore these feelings are even more dirty. Mm. Um, yeah. That's that is is damaging. Um, um, that yeah. is like so soothing just to hear somebody say that it's damaging, mm. you know, mm. my God. So why why write a book about shame? Mm hmm. You know, so from from doing this work with with queerology and the podcast, but um, broader work as well, being a therapist and um, like it, it's taken me to a lot of different places, a lot of different conferences, <laughs> and I feel like a topic that always comes up when I'm traveling, but also at home with clients or when I was in grad school, um, this conversation around what is what are we supposed to do with sexual ethics? Like for so many of us who were raised in kind of purity culture or more conservative religious environments, but arguably for those of us who just grew up in the U S because, because purity culture has permeated so much of the culture. um, There's so many people now, I think in, in this time period being like, I don't believe what I was taught about sex and sexuality like this doesn't seem right but I don't know what I believe um which which then kind of leaves us flailing I I felt the same way still I think feel the same way at times um the, the sense of what do I actually believe about this um and and I saw and saw within myself too so many responses to my sexuality, to our sexuality, um, that felt a lot like they were being birthed out of shame. Um, and, and so I started looking into that and, and I was like, what, like some of these activities that we're doing, they don't necessarily seem like they're, they're beneficial for us. Um, but then what's the alternative, right? Like, is it a moralistic, another conservative sexual ethic? Like that doesn't seem quite right. Um, so the hope behind the book is is asking that question. Like, well then, well then, how do we find practices that that are in accordance with our values that help us work with our shame, um, so that we can have a more confident, um, more healthy sex life? If that That's makes any beautiful. sense. Is this yeah. about unlearning the falsehoods that purity culture perpetuates? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the first part of the book 
there's there's three coping mechanisms that I, that I believe we kind of can fall into when we're working with a shame-based sexuality, um, all of which have direct ties to purity culture. Um, and then the second part of the book, I mean, explicitly deals with what I believe at least three of the lies of purity culture are, um, which are that, that, that the Bible is clear about this, um, oh. that God invented patriarchy, uh, and that, that queerness is inherently sinful. Um, I think those are three huge lies. Um, and then the last part of the book, which is the brunt of the book, is really how do we move beyond shame? Um, and what are some truths and paradoxes? I frame it in terms of paradoxes. What are paradoxes inherent within sex and sexuality um, that when we navigate, I believe, give us a path forward into um, into a healthy, healthier sexuality? Um, yeah. hmm. why, why are you the one to write this book? You know, th- that's a question I ask myself, too, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't I don't feel like an expert on this. Um, I mean, on one hand, like I did study a lot of this during my four years at grad school, a lot of my master's, both of my master's degrees, like I, I really did a lot of intense work around issues of sex and sexuality um, and sexual trauma uh, and, and even sexual abuse, which that work doesn't show up in the book as much, but it, it does tie in. Um, so on one hand, like, there's a level, I, I, I know things, I guess. <laughs> but on the mm-hmm. other hand, sex and sexuality is such an ex- experiential kind of thing that even as I was writing this, I was like, well, well wait, like, do I believe this? <laughs> is like, it, what is aspirational? What is true? Um, and, and, and so, I mean, I learned a lot even as I wrote the book and, and I tried to write it in such a way that that wasn't the sense of, I am this expert coming in to tell you how to like have a healthy sex life because that's not going to do any of us any good. Like we've had experience with that. Right. But instead, like, how do we journey along this together? And and what are some things I've learned in both into my master's work, but also talking to a lot of people <laughs> about sex and sexuality and helping people with that in my therapy practice? Like, um, how can we navigate this together um, with with the hope of of all working towards more health uh, in our lives? And I mean, you hit on something that resounds within me, which is Mm -hmm. that so many of us who come out of a conservative headspace, you know, we're just kind of learning um, sex and sexuality on the fly. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just, it's, it's really hard. I feel like many of us really started to learn who we were sexually at the same rate that um, like sex, some sexual things became more normalized Mm. um so polyamory and open relationships and Mm -hmm. um dating apps just based on having quote-unquote premarital sex you know so trying to figure out like how to do it and do it in a way that still um holds truth to our personal values is so tough it's so tough Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like you're going to be able, your this book is going to be able to offer a guide and not instruction, just, you know, a roundabout right. guide. That's yes. so cool. 
that's yeah that is the hope a guide and not instruction that's a really good way of putting it um because because in my mind we don't need another person telling us what to do no Um, (laughs) but we do need help figuring out what do we actually believe about these things um and and i feel confident in at least taking a stab at it right yes so putting words to the to the feelings to the happiness Mm -hmm. to the emotion Mm -hmm. man um so um of course everyone who listens to your podcast will buy your book (laughs) i hope so (laughs) (laughs) um but who should read this book who is your audience or am i your intended reader like Mm -hmm. who were you who were you picturing when you wrote this book yeah so it's a mix i mean broadly it's anyone who grew up within purity culture um i mean that that really is the target audience of the book those of us or maybe anyone who grew up within purity culture who have experienced harm from it um because i think there are some people out there who are perfectly content um with with the way their lives have gone uh there are a lot of us who aren't though um so so not only queer folk, but straight folk as well. Like it, it deeply affects um, all of our lives. Um, so that's that's the broad answer. Specifically, I mean, I definitely had um, LGBTQ folk in mind as I was writing it. Like, how could I not? Like, I'm I'm <laughs> gay myself. So much of my work. You are. Uh, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> uh, but. Like there, to my knowledge, there are not a lot of books written from a more faith-based perspective on sexual ethics that are fully and intentionally inclusive of LGBTQ folk. Um, those don't really exist yet. Um, so, so while the book is a general mark, market book, um, I was very intentional around writing a book that was quite approachable and inclusive and and written to and for um, my LGBTQ siblings <laughs> because we need these kind of resources uh, in this world. We do. Um, yeah. And I feel like it... Like we needed, we needed you to write this twenty years ago. Right. So, right. so where were you? What were you ten? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Why weren't you handling it, Matthias? Uh-huh. It's crazy. <laughs> A ten-year-old me would be appalled. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Fourteen-year-old me would have just been so. I mean, I wouldn't have touched it because I wouldn't right. not have known like what to like. If my mom gave me your book, I would have just like thrown it away. I would have been oh. so. Ashamed that my mom gave me a book about sex. Totally, totally. <laughs> Isn't that that's hilarious? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. I think this book will help many a reader. I think shame is per- is a pervasive disease, like you said, in the queer community. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can count on two hands the the number of uh, queer Christians that I know who. Um, who I've gotten close to only to realize that they are struggling with feelings of shame um, because of their sexuality. So um, I guess my question is, how does the Bible and or God factor into your message on shame? Yeah. So, you know, I I don't believe that shame is from God. Um, Amen. So so whether we want to put that into um, terms of spiritual warfare for some people may like that language um other people may like more more kind of 
psychic realities of, of what shame is and is and isn't or energetic realities, whatever we want to put it into. Mm-hmm. I don't believe shame is from God. So that's a starting point. Um, and, and, and I believe one of the things that, that Jesus, um, came to do in this world is to free us from shame. Um, there are some readings of the work that, that Christ did on the cross. Um, I, I think scripture says that in some places or some translations that, that Jesus took on our shame. Um, and, and that's that stuff that I deeply believe in. Um, so from a starting point, <laughs> that's kind of where I sit. Shame is not of God. Jesus came to free us from shame. Um, oh. so then, um, what does that mean in our sex lives? Um, in, in, I, I mean, shame affects us at the very core of who we are. Um, I, I write in the book, uh, it's not only an emotion, but it's it's a mental thing as well. Um, but it also involves it's a it's a spiritual thing also. So it it involves like almost every single part of who we are. It's a it's a neuroaffective um, response. Yeah. Um, and sex and sexuality um, is similar in that same way that, that I believe sex exists at the very core of who we are. Sexuality uh-huh. exists at the very core of who we are. Um, with the caveat that people who don't experience sexuality, that also exists at the very core of who we are, right? Um, So I I think so often when we have these conversations around sex and sexuality, um, we exclude a whole group of people. (laughs) We forget our ace, you know, brothers and sisters and others in Christ. Exactly, right. So it's, it's identity construing in, in deep ways, whether we experience sexual desire, sexual feelings, or whether we don't. Um, But shame, shame (laughs) and sexual feelings or sexuality or lack of sexuality tend to fuse, I think, um, Mm. because of how deeply they both affect us. Um, So when we work with our sexual shame, um, I believe our, our sexuality is a microcosm of our larger lives. Isn't shame one of the things that um, Adam and Eve were told that they would acquire after sinning? I think so. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely not right. meant for us. Right. I, I think in is it the Genesis 1 narrative or the Genesis 2 narrative where like it says they were naked and knew no shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shame was introduced um, afterwards. Um, I, I think if we play with that a little bit, like in a, in a Edenic, Edenic um, mm-hmm. way of being, is a shame free, shame free way of being. Mm. Um, yeah. I, so my mother has this phrase that she's constantly throwing my way because. I think I'm a little neurotic and I love to beat myself up and just be anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. And she says that that um, guilt is a wasted emotion. Mm. Guilt is a wasted emotion. And I love that sentiment. And I think that I can also now tack on shame. Like it's just Mm -hmm. a wasted thing. Like there's you could put so much energy into it and it's never going to give back to you. Right. 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 And, and, And I think I mean, I think there is a. A distinction there, though, between guilt and shame, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas I think guilt, and, and this isn't original to me, um, There, I think Brene Brown talks about this among other shame and, and guilt researchers, um, so this is not my own idea, but I, I think guilt is more of an, uh, a relational emotion. Like it mm-hmm. usually causes us to want to be in relationship with other people, whether they even be an apology, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas shame makes us turn away from relationship. Mm-hmm. Um Shame is the sense of, of I'm not worthy of this relationship. I can't be around this person anymore because of something I did wrong. Um, so um, I, I think there's a really important distinction there of where when we are working with guilt, which I think your mom is right, it can be... Uh, mm-hmm. it can be wasted. Like we can spend so much time feeling guilty <laughs> that, yeah. that we don't do anything. Yes. But then at what point does that guilt turn into shame? Right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a fine line. We just there. spend time inventing ways to punish ourselves. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I want to go back to what we were talking about with, um, sex and spirituality so something that i'm constantly talking about or bringing up on this podcast is how you know sex is a spiritual thing and therefore we have to talk about it Mm -hmm. um how much of sex do you think is spiritual um i know you said that it's an inherent part of our being Mm -hmm. um but i would love to hear more of your thoughts on that yeah uh, um, <laughs> I I mean I think all of it is right. Like, um, so I mean if if we define spiritual as that which connects us, mm-hmm. um, which is a definition of spirituality, I really like. Um, sex is something that also connects us. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also disconnect us, right? So so that's that's one of the paradoxes. Um. But I think, I mean, sexuality and sex, I think, are inherently relational acts, whether that sexuality be with another person or with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, whether we're experiencing that within ourselves, it still connects us to ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, um, I, I, think, I think sexuality and sex, I mean, are deeply spiritual things. Um, do you think that our sexuality brings us closer to the divine? I do. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I, I think and I don't know how, right? Like I, I think there's some mystery there, at least in my mind, around what that looks like, how it works. Um, but I do think that Eros, the erotic, um is a spiritual energy love it's it's a form of love um if god is love then (laughs) then the expression of eros is a form of the divine Mm -hmm. right um it's it's deeply tied into who we are that's a beautiful way to kind of tie everything together thank you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i just want to go i also want to talk a lot a bit more about shame so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We as conservative people are constantly working through, I feel like the, the church is always pushing shame, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? Why, does, why is Christianity so tight with shaming people for who they mm-hmm. are? Mm-hmm. If 
we know that shame was something that came upon us outside of the Garden of Eden. Right. I mean... Is that a good question? I think it is a good question. I think shame is a very effective tool in controlling people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we know how to utilize that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we can utilize that tool, um, we can make people do things that we want them to do yeah. or do things that we don't want them to do um, because of how deeply we feel shame in our bodies. Um, we will do anything to get away from it. And so when people are telling us do this or else um, and we're tied up in a, a system of thinking, um, do this or you won't be a part of our community anymore. Um it, it pulls on threads within ourselves that are ancient. <laughs> the mm-hmm. need for relationality, the need to be a part of community, the need to feel safe, wanted, accepted, loved. Um, and so when people use that as a threat against us and say, do this or don't do this or else, um, we sure as hell are going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we can't risk being isolated. Mm. Um, shame is very isolating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so th- that's one reason I think I think that's a huge reason <laughs> it's an effective yeah. means of control um, and in a lot of faith communities um, that really is what's going on right <laughs> yeah so, unfortunately yeah. I mean mm-hmm. uh, I feel like so much of my work is just trying to rebrand Christianity as something mm-hmm. that's not repressive (laughs) right 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 um how do you identify faith-wise yeah i you know (laughs) i still identify as a christian like i often with many 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 caveats um Mm -hmm. but christianity is something that is is deeply important to me and and it's, it's something i still practice um so yeah, LGBTQ Christian, gay Christian, mm-hmm. queer Christian. Um, my theology has shifted much, um, but I still hold to um, a lot of Christianity. And, and Jesus' teachings um, are deeply important to me. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I want to ask a little bit just about your, your story, your journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where this um, deconstruction and reconstruction really started for you? Was it yeah. always about your um, sexuality? And that's how you kind of unraveled um, maybe some of the things you were taught as a child? Or was there another thing that happened that kind of not forced you, but um, beckoned you out of that I can't see and I can't hear mold? Mm-hmm. It was definitely my sexuality. Bingo. Um, yeah. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I was 11 when oh I goodness. was able to. I didn't have the language for it at the time. So you could but... have written this book 10 years ago. Is what you're oh, saying. hell no. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> the book would have been if you were same sex attracted, then you have to stay single for the rest of your life. That would have been the book, oh, right? Oh, no. when I was 11 that I was attracted to men um and even before then I suspected something was I I would have said wrong 
like I suspected something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think that anymore. Um, but I knew very, very young, and so it was in in the midst of of trying to figure out then when I was in undergrad because that was when I really started doing my deconstruction, or um, at least trying to figure out what I was going to do with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I started um, realizing, wait a second, um, I think I think God is is way 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 bigger than what mm. I've been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took years for me to kind of flesh that out, and it's still an ongoing process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it really was through my sexuality, and, and once I kind of figured out like <laughs> my theology around that. Um, then I was able to open up and do much broader theological work around what do I even think about God, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to approach it through my sexuality first because um, that's what people were telling me excluded me from God. Mm. Um, but, and, but you and I both know that that's the thing that really brings you closer to God. Right. Mm. Yes, 100%. So much closer. I, I, I think, are you familiar with Elizabeth Edmond? No. She, she wrote a book called Queer Virtue. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and she one something that I deeply love in that book is, is this idea that um, she argues that Christianity is inherently queer. Um, oh, my goodness. And that yeah. queer folk, um, because of that, have a connection to the divine um, in our queerness mm-hmm. um, that that makes us. I mean, as we dive into our queerness, we get closer to the divine. As anyone dives into queerness, <laughs> they mm-hmm. get closer to the divine. Um, that I I love that idea because it, it just rings so true to me, um, and and I see it all over the place uh, with with folks who have who have done that work. There's something about um, coming to know yourself sexually that breaks apart. Um, the mold that is um, traditional Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's like being able to see yourself as variant mm-hmm. causes you to think more mm-hmm. and try harder to understand yourself and thus understand your place in the universe and ultimately God. There's just, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, also mm-hmm. I'm really excited to think that somehow I am special for <laughs> liking ladies. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Get on board with that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, are your parents affirming of you? No, they're not. Oh, my gosh. Mm. But, like, you're about to be an author, <laughs> and you were, you were noticed by Oprah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a strange tension. You're a rare breed. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you, has, has shame become a thing that, do you feel like the shame um, scales have fallen from your eyes? Um, you know, people aren't going to love this news. I don't know that we can ever fully get over our shame. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I feel like at least on this side of the Ashkaton, if we want to use that language, this side of 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 earth um shame is something that we're always going to have to work with um 
I, I think that's kind of why I really like this title, which I didn't actually choose the title of my book, but this idea of beyond shame, mm-hmm. um, to me really kind of brings these ideas of, of how do we work with our shame um, <laughs> and and yes move beyond it but also it, it implies a journey right mm-hmm. um, and a practice and, and a practice um, so yes and no I think the more we become familiar with our shame the more we work with our shame the less often we get taken down by it right mm. But do I believe that we, or has my shame disappeared? <laughs> Absolutely not, right? It constantly surprises me. Um, but I also have more tools to work with it um, and, and more tools to really put it put it in its place, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. So. I mean, I, I enjoy the book because you do get very deep at times, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like what happened at the beginning of this interview, you kind of took a weight out of some of the words that are so hurtful. Mm. Um, But then there's parts of your book that are just funny. Like, Mm. (laughs) you know, I mean, that lightheartedness, I feel like is what drives it home for me because Mm -hmm. it's such a heavy topic to talk about. Um, But there is a sense that I'm not alone in what it is I'm, I'm, you're talking about and what I'm experiencing. Because mm-hmm. if you're able to breathe life into it and put words to the emotions, then there are other people out there who are also, you know, kind of going through the same motion and need to hear this. And right. I feel like that's what you say is you, you said that spirituality is basically community and togetherness and being connected. Mm-hmm. And my God, does it, does that spiritual core not shine through it is great mm. it's mm. you've really crafted a great novel i'll call it a novel and not a self-help mm. book because there's just so much story in it too so mm-hmm. thank um, you yeah that was the goal that was the goal that's really encouraging yeah, yeah boo mm. i can't wait for it to come out january 7th <laughs> yeah and and so can i tell you about what we're doing for people who pre-order the yeah, book tell me about it. okay so um if, if for people who who buy the book before January 10th, so January 10th is the cutoff for this, mm-hmm. we actually have a bunch of bonus content that we're giving away, mm-hmm. um, including, and this one I'm so excited about, <laughs> is a masterclass um, with me and Linda K. Klein, uh, who Aww. wrote a book called Pure Inside the Evangelical Movement That Shamed a Generation of Young Women and How I Broke Free. Um, Linda and I recorded a 60-minute masterclass called four practices you can start now to move beyond shame and it's incredible Uh (laughs) it's it's like these deeply like practical embodied practices that you literally can start doing anytime um to work with your shame and and i think it takes both her book and my book kind of that extra step further um, where our books are kind of are heady and conceptual and like helpful but also like doesn't necessarily answer the question of like so like what do i do in my daily life right (laughs) then this masterclass answers those questions so you get that you can you download the first chapter will be available um there's some artwork done by tori hornis uh who she's notes on the way on instagram incredible poet she she put together some exclusive art um based on the book um, and access to a digital book club. So mm. all this extra stuff 
if you pre-order the book by January 10th, um, and all people have to do is just email their receipt to beyondshamebook at gmail.com to get that. That is so, great. I know. Yeah. Maybe I can put that in the show notes, but I know at least two people that I want to pre-order this for. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so where else on the internet can people find you? Because I mean, I'm sure that the people listening to this know you and of you, but where mm-hmm. else can people find you? Yeah. So the easiest place is my website, MatthiasRoberts.com. Uh, it's Matthias with two T's. Um, and then I'm on basically all social media, except for like TikTok, because I still can't quite figure out what that is. Um, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm at Matthias Roberts. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, all of those places. It's and just Google as well. It's pretty easy to find my work through there. Um, and then Queerology, my podcast. Like, if you've never listened to it, like, go back and there's a ton of episodes there. So even though I'm yeah. on hiatus, like, do I some binging in preparation. Yeah, right. <laughs> for what comes next. Yeah, there's a podcast yeah. with me on it. So there is. Y'all yes, listen to that one that's a least. good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been so good to talk to you about this whole thing and if anyone was going to bring us this message I know it had to be you so thank you for doing the Lord's work yeah thank you yeah thanks for having me of course Thank you so much for listening. I want to remind you all to subscribe to the app, become a member for $4.99 a month and get free access to the daily audio devotional, Past the Salt, read by Teresa Ta. This 365 day podcast is only available to subscribers and we're going to continue to offer things just for those subscribers. Members get great stuff. Tell your friends and tell your family about it. And of course, write us a review in the app store. Y'all have a fantastic new year. Okay, bye.